0: <laughs> wow that's uh i saw some people going is it saturday night still i just, did i get up early i don't know what a kick what is a joy to be with you guys and it's it's super crazy cool that we're doing wow moments and uh if you if you want to take notes this morning i'm going to tell you that's going to be worthwhile but i want you to scratch out a little piece right of this and wow moments in marriage i want you to scratch out marriages for life because that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Those moments happen all over the place, and there are a variety of moments. Um, I literally filmed my last comedy project was called Wow Moments, and I'll never forget May 9th, because it was one of those wow moment times for me at a different level. Um, we're getting ready for the show and just doing all the prep, and I got a phone call, and I'm like, Kennedy, it was my daughter, she said she fell off a slide, and she we think she broke her arm. And uh, so in the middle of all this prep, Thousands of dollars and thousands of hours of prep. I have to go pick up my daughter, and I go up, and, and her arm literally looked like, wah, wah, wah. and I'm like, might have broken her arm, okay? Um, but it was amazing to me, and here was the moment, because as I looked at her arm, I, I saw these women just go into mode, her, her teacher, her principal, and all this. One was comforting, and two were taking care of the other kids. The other one had called for the ambulance. They're just going all over the place, and I, I know... The women are amazing. I know that, but it was one of those wow moments. Like, what? you know, women are just incredible. They're they're like, yes, they are. You can say that. I discovered the women. They're they're a lot like people, but uh, but way better. You know, that's that was just one of those revelation moments. Of you know what? I know guys would have taken care of it, but there wouldn't have been all the details that go in there. And then there's moments that I, I really don't grasp the fullness of it. And I think they happen so that we realize what we have when we don't have it. Last time I was supposed to be here, I was in Pennsylvania, done a show, and I'm flying here. I get to the Philly airport and it starts to snow. And I, I literally spent the entire day there, hours upon hours. And it was one of those where I'm like, okay, how am I going to get there? I'm supposed to go through Newark, then through Newark, then through Detroit, then through Minnesota. and They just kept Changing everything up, and it was this whole day long piece to where I finally went, Well, if I'm gonna get in at midnight, I need to get something to eat now. So I go to this place that was closing up, and I get something to eat. And and about an hour and a half later, they finally get me in a middle seat to fly through Atlanta to get here. And and as I'm getting on the plane, I'm like, You know what? I must be really tired because I don't feel great. And by the time I got into the flight, it was very evident to me because I'd had it happen about 20 years ago. If you've ever had food poisoning, you know it's not nearly as fun as they make it sound, and uh, I, it's the first time in my life I've ever gotten sick on an airplane. And I'm sitting here and I'm freezing and I'm sweating at the same time. And the flight is just like, I mean, she walks by and she's like, are "You okay?" And I'm like, um, "No, I'm really not." And I said, uh, "Have you got a couple of those little bag things?" And she goes, "I'll be right back." And and I, I was I was they bumped me up, but I'm sitting there, and there's the bathroom, and I'm like, somebody's going to be in there when it's time, and it's not going to be good, and sure enough, it was, and it was one of those moments where I'm like, could it get any worse than this? And and I got sick, and then we landed in Atlanta, the connections were gone, I didn't. I knew I wasn't going to get here, and I just thought, how sovereign that I ended up in Atlanta, where I lived, so I could drive home, and... On the way home, I had to pull over three times and kneel down and call dinosaurs, and, and that, that was on the way home. And if you've never had food poisoning, just let me just, if you want to experience it, what you do is you go for about eight to ten hours. You wake up every uh, 45 minutes and have somebody swing a baseball bat and hit you in the stomach eight times. That's food poisoning. And, uh, and it literally knocked me out for a day and a half. And, and when I woke up day two or whatever, I was like, wow. If I never do that again, it will be too soon. And it really, it, it, it leaves an indelible mark of going, wow, you know, sometimes we go through those bad parts to remember how good ones, the good ones are. And, and I believe that God does this because I, I'll have a bad day and poof, that memory of food poison. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't need that. It's not that bad. But as we go through life, there are moments, there are moments. And, and I want to just encourage us this morning is I believe from experience. Experience that God wants to teach us through life's moments. And there will be moments that are, wow, that was God speaking to me individually about something that is true from Him directly. And this morning what I want us to look at is how do we put ourselves in a position to experience the creator of the universe personally and individually? Because what's amazing to me, one of the wow moments I had, it was when I was in the late teen years, was not that I could believe in God, not that I could believe in the creator of the universe, and I can see, and, and whatever path or journey you're on to get there, that's fine, but it never really dawned on me that I couldn't know God. But what amazed me is that the God of the universe believed in me individually, intimately, and that he created me uniquely to, to accomplish something within his plan. That blows my mind. And I want to be more and more about that. Now, to get there, though, I just remember two words this morning. One would be the way that these, these foundation to experience wow moments happens is one is the foundation. The foundation. One of the words I want you to remember is foundation. What is my foundation? If it is religious, then we're going to miss the moments because religion is basically a set of rules that we try to attain to in order to experience some sort of security or significance. And we'll never measure up because we're not perfect. We can't get there. And and if your foundation is, well, you know what? I depend on myself. I only believe what I think and what I feel, what I experience. That's all I believe. That's all I ever do. I'm a self-help, a positive thinker. Then you're going to, if you're honest, you're going to get to those times in life where you succeed by that definition and realize it's Empty. And then it's not what you thought it was going to be. And then you try for the next one, the next one. And I shared this story. It was a wow moment for me. I was about to do a show in uh, North Dakota. And the gentleman who was hosting said, hey, let me take you to dinner. And I said, great. I said, what's going on in your town? And he was a pastor of a local church. He said, we really had an amazing breakthrough in the past year. And I said, tell me about it. And he said, the most successful man in in our community, he owns several businesses very successful drives the nicest car married to the most beautiful wife perfect kids and all this uh he walked into my office and uh he he laid down a set of keys and he said pastor i need you to do me a favor and he said sure what do you what do you need me to do and he says i'm i'm done i can't take it and he's like well what do you what do you mean he goes i'm gonna be gone and it's it's done and I just need you to have the keys. And when it's evident, I need you to give the keys to everybody, to everything that they need. And the gravity of it hit this guy, this pastor. And he's like, okay, whoa, okay. Um, he said, I tell you what, I'll do what you're asking me to do, but you've got to give me five minutes. And he goes, okay. He said, but I'm telling you right now, don't, I, I don't need anything religious. It's, it's done. And he goes, I, I, I believe you. And he says, but let me ask, I, he said, let me see if I've got this right. Um, You've, you've accomplished so much, and you've done so well. And the guy's just kind of got his head down, shaking his head. And he goes, but every time you accomplish something, it's, it's not enough. And the guy just went, yeah. And he goes, and every time you accomplish or you succeed or you get whatever it is you think is going to make it happen, it, it, it's not only not enough, but that hole gets bigger. And you try something else to fill it in, and it gets even bigger, and it's never enough. And the guy was like, yes. Exactly. And I can't take it anymore. The hole is getting too big. I can, I'll never be able to fill it. He says, well, then I would just encourage you to consider one piece. He says, I know how to fill that hole. And he's like, how? And he said, God himself has to fill that hole. And he's like, I told you I didn't want anything religious and that's not going to work. He's like, no, no, no. religion doesn't work. It can't be religious. It can't be rules and living up to it because that only leaves you just as empty as the others. It has to be God himself is the only entity big enough to fill that hole. And he goes, well, how does that work? And he goes, well, you start, it's a relationship. And he goes, well, what is that? How do you do that? And he goes, well, you you pray. And he said, the guy literally got out of his chair and got down on his knees. He goes, what do you pray? And he said, well... He says you start you start by confessing where, where you've messed up and where you're not good enough. And he said, "The Lord, I, I I cheated on this and I cheated on my wife here and I've done this." He goes, "You, you don't have to do it out loud." And uh, <laughs> and and he said he literally kneeled there, mumbling for about three to five minutes. And finally, at, at the end, of the day, he just he just went, well, "What do I do now?" And he said, "Just." See, what you hear about Jesus dying on the cross, he he did that to forgive all of that. Thank him for forgiving that. And he's like, oh, God, uh, thank you so much. And he goes, and then invite him in to just live in your life and fill that hole. And he goes, God, will you please come in? And he said, yeah, and he prayed that and he looked up. He goes, Pastor, I think that might have worked. And he goes, "I, I know it did. And he says, What do I do now? And he said, Well, start reading your Bible. And he goes, I don't have one. And he says, He gave he said, I gave him one. And he said, The guy just kinda left. He took his keys with him and left. Two weeks later, barges past the secretary. And he came in, and he throws the Bible and then he goes, What do I do now? And he's like, Well, what's happening? He goes, Man, it's great, it worked, I get it, but what do I do now? And he said, Well, keep reading your Bible. He goes, I finished it. And uh read the whole Bible? He says, yes, man, it was awesome. He said, that job guy had a tough time. I thought I had a tough and it was just like wow. And he said, he said um, well, I tell you what, he knew he wasn't ready for Sunday morning because he didn't know the religious rituals of their church. And he said, but why don't you come back Sunday night? We have a Bible study and you can come back. And he goes, OK. So what time? He said, seven o'clock. He goes, I'll be there. Now, nobody told him you're supposed to be religious and spiritual and show up late and sit in the back and mumble the whole time. He showed up early, and he sat on the front row, and he had, a, he had a Bible, and he had a notebook, and pens, and highlighters, and he's sitting there. And he said, it was a little, the pastor's told me, it was a little unnerving, because he said, I'm teaching, just out of one of the, Paul's epistles. And he said, every time I'd get to a point, this guy in the front row would just go, wow, that was good, yeah. I didn't see that one, that's awesome, that's good, keep going, keep going, keep going, all right. And he said, the whole time was like that. And he said, and then he got to the end of the sermon, he said, it was unnerving, but it was amazing because it was a wow moment for the rest of us. He said, I was close in prayer and say, God, thank you for your truth. Help us to live these truths. As we leave here, help us to embody and let you empower us to be what you meant for us to be. And all God's people said, and at that point, our church mumbles, amen, amen, amen. And he asked me as we're sitting at dinner, he says, do you know what amen means? And I'm like, yeah, like I agree or so be it. And he goes, yeah, Exactly and he said but I shared it that night and he said and all God's people said and before anybody could mumble an amen out of the 60 or 70 people this guy in the front row just stood up and went all right yeah and he said two of my deacons passed out in the back and and he said it was unnerving but it was amazing and the next day he said Ken I was having my quiet time and I'm reading my little devotion and I'm praying and I get to the end of my prayer and I said and And God, thank you for this, and thank you for last night. This was great. In Jesus' name, and he said, the word wouldn't come out. And he said, God just hit him with one of these wow moments, individual and intimate. And he said, said, I don't need you to agree. I know it's true. And he said, God just pierced his heart. And he said, are you going to be an amen, or are you going to be an all right? Which one are you? And he said, for him, it meant everything. It was life-changing. I don't need you to sit and read as it's some kind of a religious text. He says, I want to speak this truth into your life. And he says, so when you read it, decide in your heart, are you going to be an amen or an all right? And when he shared that story with me, I literally went,
1: wow,
0: that's it. It changed the way I read my Bible. I, I don't read it anymore as a text going, Lord, speak to me and what happened with Paul and what went on. It really is one of those like, God, what do you want to say to me? Because the Bible says it is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. This is literally God speaking. I remember driving one time on 75 in Atlanta. And as I'm driving, the thought came to my mind. Sometime I wish I could hear God speak audibly. I wish I could just hear him speak audibly. in a whisper in my heart as intimate as, and I'll never forget it. I can take you to the place on 75 where I was. I sensed God whisper going, really? Do you want to hear me speak audibly? And I after a few minutes, I'm like, Lord, I would probably soil myself. But yes, yes, I would. I would like to hear you speak audibly. And this is what God pushed in my heart. He says, Ken, then open your Bible and read it out loud. And you will hear me speak audibly. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And if my foundation is that, not of a religion or not of a positive thinking, but of a relationship with God himself. I had another wow moment that put it into perspective, and there's a verse I'm going to share in just a second in Ephesians. It's the one I would love for you to take away if you want to take one away today, Ephesians 2.10, but turn there if you want to. But before we even get to that, I got to tell you, my my neighbor, um, I'll call him Terry, because that was his name. And uh, <laughs> I was talking to Terry one day, and he's an engineer, a Purdue graduate, and a great guy. And Uh, We were just talking one day about cars, and he was like, man, sometime when you take Heather out on a date night, you need to take Gus. And I was like, who is Gus? And he's like, not who, what? And I said, what do you mean, what? And he's like, you've never seen Gus? And I'm like, no, I, I don't even know what Gus is. And he goes, and he tells me this amazing story about he and his twin brother grew up. His dad always bought these junk cars. And he said he would buy one and we would just piddle with it. And he would show us how to do the body work and work on the engine and what to look for. And he says, as as early as memory as I have, I was around these cars with my dad. He would come home from work and he'd piddle with these cars and he would turn them from a junk into a classic. And he would do He said, I I didn't realize I was learning how to do this, but I did. And he said, I've just carried it in my life. It's my therapy. I come home and, and he says, I bought Gus. Gus is a 65 Pontiac GTO convertible. And he said, I got it out of a junkyard for like 300 bucks. And it's been in my garage, and I just piddle with it. And he says, I got it. He said, uh, Gus is done, and if you ever want to drive him. And he, so I'm like, I want to see him. And so um, I went over to his house. I'm like, wow. It was stunning, and he started going through it. He says, Ken, I learned all this from my dad, but I I literally learned how to measure the compression in each cylinder. Now, I'm a type guy. Now, some of you are probably like me. I open the hood, and I'm going, yep, engine. That's it. That's all I know right there. That's the extent of it. But he's like, I can measure the compression in each cylinder. I went back, and I found out what the the tolerances were from the manufacturer. I made sure they were perfect in every cylinder. And I, I, and he just went through all this detail about how he had to machine some of the parts himself to make sure and that he hand-stitched every seat on this. I want you to see Gus for a second. Um, she's going to put Gus up there. That's Gus. Oh. Now, he had to convince me. I'm like, I, I, I can't drive this. He's like, well, why not? you got to take Gus, take Heather. And so he finally convinced me. And I'll tell you why I didn't want to in a second. But we drove down to the part of Atlanta where they have some of the nicer restaurants. We go down to the Cheesecake Factory a couple times a year. That was my wife's favorite. And as we're driving down this one road, it's, it's where the governor lives and all these executives, the, the nicest of nice houses. As we're driving down the road, next to us pulls up Bentleys and Mercedes. I mean, think of the nicest cars you can buy now. And as we're driving, we go to the top down. And at every red light, people are just staring at us. And after about the third red light, my wife went, why do people keep looking at us? And I'm like, baby, they're not looking at us. (laughs) She goes, well, what are they looking at? I'm like, seriously, they're looking at the car. And she goes, but it's old. I'm like, yeah, she goes, I don't get it. I'm like, you're right. You don't get it. I said, you can go to a lot and buy those cars. You can't buy this car. And she's like, wow, I don't I don't get it. And I'm like, that's fine. We pull up to the Cheesecake Factory to valet park it. And the guy said, stop. And he came by the door. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm not parking this. Just stay here a second. And I was just like, what? And literally he came back about two minutes later and he, he waved me over. Here's the front door. And he waved me. and says, park right here. And he's parked it by the front door and put like five cones around it. And he said, it'll be here when you get back. And I was like, wow. One of the one of the Atlanta Falcons pulled up in his NSX and the doors come up. He walked straight over. And he just went, you have to sell me this car. And I was like, I, I, I can't do that. And he goes, no, I'll trade you right now. Right now. I'll trade. I've, this is the car I've always dreamed of. And I'm like. I can't, I can't do it. It's my buddies, And we told him, he says, can I, can I just sit in it? And I was just like, yeah, you can sit in it. And it was just one of those amazing moments. But as we got home, I realized, and what I told Terry, my friend, before I took it was, dude, I I can't drive this. And he's like, why not? And I'm like, dude, if, if somebody hit me or if I, if, heaven forbid, I did hit something wrong, I I couldn't live with myself. What would happen if I wrecked it? And he just smiled real big and he went, then I'll fix it again. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. He said, Ken, it was in a junkyard. I've made this what it is and I can do it again. And as I as I think of that story and as he shared that moment of just I'll fix it again, this verse came to my mind, Ephesians 2.10, where God says this through Paul. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, that car, he realized, he fixed that car, not to be looked at, but to be driven. If we get dinged up or whatever, God says, hey, you're my workmanship. I'll fix it. I'll do this. And see, when it's a relationship with God, it's not about being perfect instantly. It's about growing into it. It's a process, not a point in time. It's not a list to live up to, but a plan to fulfill. And I love in Ephesians 1.6, he writes this, Being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Until we die or are raptured, God is continually working in a relationship with him to be what he meant for us to be. And and if we're sitting there going, yeah, but man, I've wasted so many years and now I'm an adult. And and I just think about all that. God's like, I got this. See that car. And God just brings these moments of wow over and over. That car had lived its full life and gone in the junkyard and it had been discarded. But that wasn't the end of the car. And if you're if you're here this morning and it appears like many of you are, uh, we have to realize that no matter what we've been through, whether it's self-inflicted or whether it's just time, God's like, I'm not done with you. I'm going to continue to work on you until the day of perfection. And I'm going to perfect you over time in that relationship. Well, if that is our foundation, then these wow moments, they happen. They happen in everyday life. These moments where God will just whisper into our world or our circumstances or our environment and say, Hey, I'm perfecting you. I'm working on you. Don't miss this one. And we find it not only in the foundation, but the second word I want you to remember is frustrations. A lot of times it's when we want, but we don't get, or we need and we don't have. Or it's just the process of life that happens. Life happens. I actually love those songs that they sang in the beginning because it's just pouring out of this is it. Hold on. Because there's, there's something there. We're living on a prayer. What a great way to live to say, God, I want you in the middle of this. Now, if our foundation is religion, then when frustration in life doesn't work out, we get very, very angry. Because I'm leaving the list. God, I am doing your list. And you are not holding up your end of the bargain. We begin to to speak at God and get mad with God if it's a religion. And that's one of the great indicators to know if I'm really in a relationship or if I'm just in a religion in the process. Positive thinkers are like, I. you know what? We realize at some point that we can't be great at everything on our own. And we can't sustain it. At all. I have a great friend who owns a shoe company in Atlanta. And if I told you the name, you would know it. And he waited till his late 30s to get married. And he was uber successful in the business world. And he got married and we had lunch. And I said, how's it going? He goes, uh, it's okay. And I'm like, no marriage. How's, how's the marriage going? It's about 10 months into it. And he goes, well, let me just say it's a little frustrating. And I'm like, well, like give me an example. And he says, what I'm going to say is she will ask me questions. And let me just say, if you ask a question you don't want an answer to, expect an answer you don't want to hear. And I was like, how's that working for you? (laughs) And he was like, not really good. I just. And it's just frustrating. And if you can master that part of it, then then there's kids. And kids are a perpetual frustration. I'm going to have some moments with God going, you said, dads, don't exasperate your children. I'm going to go seriously without a typo because they exasperate me. And I just, it's, it's those times where we can go, okay, Lord, in the midst of this, what do you want to teach me? What do you want me to see? And it's those moments I'll never forget. And, and I never know when they're going to happen, but if I'm open to them and I'm saying, "God, teach me," and I, my foundation is that relationship, these wow moments happen. It was, it was like like two thirty three in the morning, and I'll never forget hearing my son. He was about three years old at the time, two and three in the morning, and I hear this, "Daddy, daddy, daddy." If you're little kids, they scream whispered. You know what I'm talking about. And I thought he was sick or something, I run upstairs, I'm like, dude, he's standing on his bed. And they're not allowed to do that, but he's standing there with his hands on his hip, daddy! And he sees me like, daddy! I'm like, dude, dude what are you doing? And he goes, daddy! And it's like he was rehearsing this, So he goes, daddy, I want chocolate milk. Now... he realized he was standing up so he dropped to his knees you're not supposed to stand up drops to his knees daddy i want chocolate milk now please <laughs> and i went dude it, it, it's night night time i went over and started laying down i'm like it's night night time dude. it's you're supposed to be asleep and the look on his three-year-old face was like what part of this do you not get? I'm saying all the right words. I've been practicing. And he goes, well, I want chocolate milk now, please. And I'm like, dude, it's, it's night-night time. And I said, buddy, I said, listen, I'll get you all the chocolate milk you want in the morning. But it's night-night time now. It's time to go to sleep. And he just kind of laid down as he started to roll over. He looked back. He went, chocolate milk. Please. <laughs> I'm like, dude, no, I'll get it in the morning. And then he rolled over. As he rolled over, he went... Okay, Daddy. And he just went right to sleep. And I was like, okay. As I was walking down the stairs to go back to my room, God literally stopped me on the steps. And I was just like, that that was awesome and weird. and, And God whispered in my heart, kid, that's how I want you to pray. Ask me anything. But just know I will only give you what is best, when is best like he trusts you and i literally sat on i don't know how long i stood there i just went
1: wow
0: and it's so clarified in that one moment what a relationship versus a religion is all about it's about okay god when you don't give me what i want i trust you i trust you i drove back from nashville last year um i i do stand up comedy for a living and Um, I was meeting with another comic who's literally sold more DVDs than any other comic in the history of the U.S. And as I heard her share her story, she said, I'm at the top of the world, and I'm at the bottom of the world. She said, I've sold more DVDs, and we just had a party to celebrate it, and they gave me a plaque. I'm like, that's incredible. And as, as a performer, you're like,
1: I would really like that.
0: And she said, but my son is in rehab, and my daughter and her two Children, my grandchildren won't speak to me and i've not seen my grandchildren since they were born and she said and my and her husband had just um checked back into rehab and she her whole personal life has fallen apart and and i literally i drove home and i'm like lord i would have asked for that and i would have gone right down that road thank you thank you for not giving me what i thought i wanted and, and it's just one of those clarity moments, those wow moments of going, Lord, this is, this is it. But see, God is not afraid. In, in Philippians 4, 6, he says, I want this relationship. He says, be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. He's like, hey, ask me anything. And, and as you ask, here's, here's a cool thing. Thank me for what I've already done to give you some clarity. Go ahead and make your case, and give supplication, and look, and dive in, and let's let's go through this through truth, and let it be known unto me. Because God is saying, "Hey, I, I don't want you to talk at me and be angry with. You. I want to talk with you, and I want to be with you in the midst of everything in life." And once we get to that point, we begin to realize that, as, as David did, if. if I tell you what, especially if you're new to this journey, look at the book of Psalms and just read some of these Psalms. David is one of my favorite characters because he is just so honest with his relationship with God. It's this roller coaster. It's just like, God, you are wonderful. You are awesome. You are my strength. You are my fortress. You're awesome. God, my enemies are around me. And I'm going to die. Where are you, God? This Lord, you're amazing. Look what you brought us through. And he's just on this wall. And I love his emotion in it. One of my favorites that I've come across is Psalm 94, 18 and 19. And it says, if I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. It is the presence of a relationship with God that makes all the difference. And it's those wow moments that happen. It's the relationship that makes you the difference. It's the relationships that makes it make sense. I was in Boston with Heather. We were driving around and laws, laws outside of that relationship don't make sense in every situation. Now, I, I, this is just an example of that. I was in Boston and we're, we're going to eat different places during the day. And I I love that city. It's a great city and I love clam chowder. So I had clam chowder like five times in one day. I had it for breakfast because you can and. And I was sitting at a table at, I think, the, the meal between lunch and dinner, whatever that's called. And, uh, and I'm listening, and I'm like, every restaurant down there has clam chowder. And I, I listen to this guy at the table next to me. He goes, yeah, do you have any tomato-based clam chowder? And the, and the waiter, very sternly but politely, went, no, that's, that's illegal in Boston. And it just caught my ear, and I'm like, that's kind of funny. Why would it be illegal to make a tomato-based Clam chowder. So I, I couldn't help it. I had to ask. I'm like, I'm just curious. Is it, was that, were you just messing with that guy, the tomato base? Said, no, it's a law in Boston. You cannot make clam chowder with tomato base. And I was like, okay. Can I ask why? Now, if you have if you know nothing about baseball, let me just give you a quick background. The Boston Red Sox, the very beloved in the city. And their worst enemy in the world is who? The Yankees. And a tomato-based clam chowder is called Manhattan clam chowder. So they made a law. You can't make that in Boston. I thought, that's awesome. See, it's so intimately personal that it makes sense when you have the relationship. And so much of this amazing book may not make sense at first. But when we get into the relationship part of it, even if we don't understand it, we can say, God, I know I can trust you in this. And what if I make a mistake? What if I wreck the car? God says, hey, keep your heart right. Keep in this relationship. In, in Romans eight twenty eight, it says, For we know all these things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. God is saying, I'm going to use everything for your good. Just keep coming to me. It's a relationship. I don't want you to be perfect. I want you to let me perfect you. That's what God longs for us. And if I could put it in one of my favorite stories ever, we got to realize that it's, it's a relationship. I want to share one more verse with you very quickly in the back. Um, it's not going to be on the screen, but you can make a note of it. It's, it's 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. And out of all the religions in the world, this is the only one that has a relationship in a statement like this. And it says this, and this is the testimony. God has given us life and life eternal. And this life is in his Son, Jesus. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Know not think, not hope, but know that you have eternal life. And I love the fact that God says, hey, it's, it's in my son. That's the whole plan that Jesus is going to come. He's going to forgive your sins. And then when you invite me in, I'm going to live within you. That power that raised him from the dead is going to live within you. And I want to whisper these moments in your life and the perspective that happens. I have a friend in Atlanta who shares this story. It was amazing, actually. It was the classic tale. He said, my son is playing Little League. And he said, I was one of the assistant coaches. I was the third base coach. And it was the quintessential moment. Bases loaded. The winner goes to the playoffs. The loser goes home. Two outs last inning. And he said, my son is up. And he said, the gravity and the frustration and the tension and the hope and the dissension of that moment is so heavy. Everybody is feeling it. Their coach called time out to talk to the picture. My son came to me and he said, it's that moment. It's the fork in the road in life. If he gets a hit, he goes on to fame and fortune, marries the beautiful woman in life. If he strikes out, he ends up in prison and then bail and then it's all over. It's just, it's that moment. And he said, God just kind of gave me perspective. And he came and his son walked down to him. And he said, nobody knew what we were saying. They're thinking, tell him something good. And he said, man, what an opportunity. This is awesome. And he said, I, I know you want to get ahead. He said, now I want you to do your best to get ahead. hit. He says, just relax, though, because everything you've done up to this moment has prepared you for this. And you can do this. And if you get a hit, we want to go on. If you don't, he says, if you don't, he says, let me make one thing very clear. If you don't get a hit, we're still going to get ice cream. (laughs) So I want you to be thinking, what flavor? (laughs) (laughs) And his son kind of turned around. He said he tried diligently, fouled a couple off, but then hit a ground ball and it was over. And the other team celebrates. He said he got out. It was a fielder's choice. And he said, everybody on his team, he says there's weeping. The parents are just distraught and their world is ended because they lost the Little League game. And he said he saw his son with this look on his face walking back to the dugout, disappointed, but with a little grin. And he said he looked up and he caught his dad's eye and he just went, chocolate chip.
1: <laughs>
0: Tell me that's not a wow moment. Tell me that's not God working through a dad, working through a son, saying, you're amazing. You're amazing. And, and my encouragement to you and I this morning is to simply let God be in the midst of that. Those moments are happening if we'll let them. Well, I'm, I'm going to pray and close this, but I want to encourage you. I'll, I'll tell you after I pray. Let's pray. God, thank you for being the foundation of, of life. You created it. You got a plan for us individually. And help us to just rely on you as our foundation in the midst of whatever is overwhelming or frustrating this week. Would you just spark us through your Holy Spirit to say, God, what do you want to teach me here? And Lord, thank you most of all you're with us. For those of you who don't know you personally, Lord, I pray right now that you would just make it so clear like you did that businessman in North Dakota. That that hole never gets filled. No matter how successful we get, no matter what we gain, it just gets bigger. And that life comes from you and you alone. I pray that we wouldn't build a lifestyle, but we truly would build a life. And thank you that that's what you give and that's what you major in. And we thank you for it. And it is through the gift of Jesus and the power of your spirit we pray. Amen. Next week, uh, does anybody know what next Sunday is? Father's Day. Father's Day. I'm going to share some wild moments that God has taught me through my boys it is hilarious, it is real. It is the foundation of the, the project I did. And um, I'm going to bring here's, here's my uh, encouragement to you. If you are here with a dad, if you're your son and father, or whatever, the first five. At each service, I'm going to have one of the new DVDs, just wow moments with, with that. And I'm only bringing five per, but you got to walk up to me. I'll be sitting over here and go, this is my dad. I'm with him, and uh, we want one of those DVDs. That's all you got to do. And uh, let me just tell you this. Next week, you're going to want to bring a friend with you. If you thought today was good, next week will blow your mind. It will be a wow moment. So enjoy your weekend. I can't wait to see you guys next week. God bless you. Have a good day. You're dismissed.